0: welcome back to the final four is not on the schedule he is rod i am cameron and michigan state escapes with the win in this one 60 to 58 um and did just about everything they could to to give this way this one away at the end rod uh controlled the game for most of the first half all the way into uh, uh, the second half and then with six minutes left they find themselves down one uh, and which then extends to down four um, with about three minutes left uh, and then they crawl back into it and, and take the lead uh, and then Penn State just barely they have a wide open three uh, to take the lead at the very end and they can't sink it well, the the last shot was not. No, by, no, that was good defense by Henry. The yeah, um,
2: I'm I'm going to choose, and I've been I think uh, I think objective, but you could you could say I've had a lot of negative things to say about Michigan State in recent weeks. I'm going to choose to focus on the positive, and the positive is Michigan State made the plays that they needed to make to win this game. Now, you can focus on Langford missing the free throw at the end, which gave Penn State another bit of life. Um, That's true. Um, But then they followed it up by really defending that position well. Now, thank God the clock ran out because Farrar had a putback that was just after the buzzer, (laughs) which would have tied it. But still, I think you've got to credit Michigan State at both ends, from that point, as you said, when they were down four, with a little over three minutes left, you know they got they got some nice stuff offensively. It I think it was Rocket Watts with a tip in. Yeah, um, you had Marcus Bingham hit hit a, a couple of free throws. Um, I'm trying to remember how they got. That
0: the uh, rebound from Malik Hall was big too.
2: Yes, yes, and and he played a great game, you know. But I I want to. I want to focus, I guess, on the positives that at winning time in a very close, very hard play, very difficult game for them, they found a way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was the thing they couldn't do the other, the other night against Iowa, right? They just, they couldn't get over that hump. They couldn't find a way. Even though they played well, they just couldn't make enough plays. They got close but they couldn't make quite enough plays at winning time to get it done. Mm-hmm. In this game, it went the other direction, and um, I, I want to give them credit. They did a lot of things well. There's there's part of me, and I think I know why, but there's part of me that looks at the things they did in this game, and we're going to hit this when we go over the keys, and thinks to myself, I'm not sure why this was a one-possession game. Because Michigan State did yeah. a lot of the things they had to do in order to win this game. And a lot of things, well, one thing in particular that we've been screaming for for weeks that I loved seeing, um, which was, you know, basketball being played at the rim offensively via post ups, via penetration, via slip screens. Michigan State, we, we don't yet have the final stats, but I, I have to believe that their points in the paint total was outstanding. And, and I think the reason why, uh, uh, be interested in your thoughts. I think the reason why the game got away from them a little bit in that stretch in the, in the last 10 minutes was they went away from that. I want to say they were three for six for uh, from three in the first half. And they ended up, I think, four for 17, four for 18, something like that. I, I don't have the stats in front of me at the moment.
0: Four, four for 15,
2: 27%. Four for 15. Okay. So that means they took a lot of shots. They took nine threes in the second half, as opposed to six in the first half. That means you weren't getting as much done at the rim as you were in the first half. And so I think that, plus the fact they didn't hit those threes, they only made one in the second half, um, had something to do with it. You know, that offensively they weren't able to get as much done. And then I think defensively, Penn State got a little bit going from three. Michigan State was still outstanding defending the three but penn state was better in the second half than the first half and and then i thought in the second half especially that last 10 minutes myron jones kind of got going and michigan state got in some very bad matchups with him you know you had possessions very very close to each other it might have even been consecutive possessions i don't remember for sure where he was guarded by joey hauser well that's a disaster and then he was guarded by Foster Lawyer. That's also a disaster. Um, the guy who really then came back into the game and did what he did to him in the first half, which was largely control him, was Josh Langford. Josh Langford had a terrible game offensively, but Josh Langford played one of the best defensive games I've seen from him.
1: Mm.
2: Now, he's a guy that Izzos talked about him as a great defender a lot through his career. And, you know, a lot of people, myself included, have, have felt You know, that wasn't necessarily true. Not that he was a terrible defender, but he wasn't an elite guy. He was never the best defensive wing on any team he played on at Michigan State. But lately, since they've come back from COVID, I've felt that Josh has played pretty consistently good defense, and I thought he was really good tonight. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, even though the scoring wasn't there, you put him in that category of the guys like Henry and Hauser and Hall who really showed up for Michigan State um, and were keys to this win. And again, you got to have those guys playing well if you're going to win games. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State had them playing well enough.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think the most encouraging thing uh, with the, these last three games has been Henry. I mean, 20 points, four rebounds, three assists. Yeah. He's really put together three consistently good games uh, in a row.
2: Yeah, it may be the, the disappointing thing again to me is that they didn't go to him even more on the blocks. I mean, mm-hmm. they did. They got a lot done down there, more than we've seen all year long with him and with the team in general. But I just felt like Penn State did not have a good answer for him down there. And I, I would just keep going to it and going now, you know, Dakic called it out that they, there was that play where, um, in the second half where Penn State created a turnover. Um, off a, 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 post, a post up, um, that was from a set for Henry and they jumped it and, and created its turnover. But still, I think that's something, if you're Michigan State, you really, really need to look at is <laughs> continuing to, and I'm going to say it, this next game against Iowa, you know, I'm not sure who Iowa's going to have guarding him. My assumption is at least a start. It would probably be, McCaffrey, Mm. because of his size, Um, that's a matchup that Aaron Henry should physically dominate. You know, if you're putting him against McCaffrey in the post, he should dominate that. Penn State is actually better suited to guard him down there because they do have some guys like Lundy and Dredd and Brockington Mm. that are physically strong, you know. But, um, yeah, a huge game from him. He was the best player on the floor. And Michigan State kind of needs him to be that if they're going to win uh, enough games to to make March meaningful. Um, and and Aaron Henry, as you say, has been straining a few of them together. Mm-hmm. He's been playing very, very well. I thought that was great, but we're we're starting maybe, I don't want to count my chickens, but we're starting maybe to get used to that and think that, hey, this is one ver- one way or another, this is kind of the Aaron Henry we're going to see. I think the big difference, obviously, in this game was MSU got Joey Hauser and Malik Hall both going. Yeah. Yeah. And yet still also got some pretty good basketball out of Marcus mm. Um So that's three post guys who I thought really showed up and did some things. But, but especially Joey in the first half mostly, Malik really for the whole game. You know. And the it, way it, that it,
0: Malik Hall scored was, yeah, was really yeah, good that's too.
2: That's it. That's it. It's, why would you not look to get him around the rim? There is no reason to have Malik Hall living on the arc, just passing the ball back and forth, unless you're going to set him up to do some of what he did today, where he was very effective, I thought, driving the ball. He did a nice job at that, but he was also really good just around the basket. When they posted him, um, he had offensive rebound opportunities. The play where, you know, Dakich went crazy. And uh, and rightly so, because it was a great play. And Malik just ripped it away from Harar and converted. Um, Big-time stuff, you know? Yeah. And that's what we've kind of been waiting for. This is the best game Malik Hall's played in forever. Mm. And you see what a difference it makes. When you get Joey Hauser and you get Malik Hall going, now it takes a little bit of heat off that perimeter group, as long as Aaron Henry's producing. You know, MSU got very little... Out of those guys, Josh, I think hit one three. He did not have a great game offensively.
1: Yeah, point um, Rocket
2: Watts was okay. He did you know hit a couple shots, but wasn't great. They didn't get anything out of Gabe in this game, which was a little disappointing. But then again, he didn't play a lot. Mm. Um, Foster Lawyer, AJ Hogarth They just didn't get anything offensively from the perimeter group. So if that's going to happen, you absolutely have to have some of those post guys step up, and and they did. And again, it was just enough.
0: Yeah, and Bingham with uh, 18 minutes, 6 points, 9 rebounds, um, yeah. and a block and a steal.
2: Yeah, and he was a presence. Uh, you know, <laughs> I made this comment on the Spartan Mag board that I, if, if you recall, I'm sure, and I'm sure most of our listeners do, you and I were discussing, God, the way Marky was playing, why didn't he play more minutes against Nebraska? Hmm. You know, we felt like he should have played more than he did. Um. And I had said on the Spartan mag board, look, I've been a skeptic of Marcus really for the last year and a half. Initially, I had hoped that he was just going to, you know, the light would switch on at some point, that he had great physical tools and it was a matter of time. But as he hadn't really gotten sufficiently stronger and he was so inconsistent with his play last season and then the beginning of this season, I'd really kind of lost any hope. But at the same time, he had been playing well enough, not just in the Nebraska game, but especially in that one, that I felt like you got it. He's earned his chance. Mm. I know Izzo started in the last couple games, so it's not about starting; it's about minutes. And my feeling was, hey, he's earned his chance. Knowing Marcus's track record and this team's track record, he's probably going to come out and stink up the joint the next time. Place that didn't happen. Far from it. Um, you mentioned the rebounds and. I'm going to say that might even be a bigger contribution that he's making than his defensive presence, which is saying something, because when he's on the floor, he's a difference maker that way, just Mm -hmm. by virtue of being out there. Uh, But his defensive rebounding, and then he had a huge play, um, which I think ended up leading to his free throws, where he kept a missed shot alive for MSU late in the game. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so he did it a little bit on both ends, but especially as a defensive rebounder, I really felt like he showed up. And that's big because we talked about this Penn State team. One of their strengths is offensive rebounding. And you could see why they're not a big team, but they just, those guys kind of crash and they're athletic and they're active and they're energized and they make it, they make it tough. And for MSU to have a guy who was a presence like that, just cutting off possessions, big deal. Big, big deal. So, yeah, I I mean, you've got to be really happy with him. And that gives you some hope going into the next game, you know, against Iowa because, you know, Marcus is probably not going to be able to play 18 minutes against Iowa because I would expect fouls will probably play into it. But I think there's a reasonable chance – that he should be feeling confident enough now that he can go out there and make it tough on Garza when he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to need a team effort, obviously, but man, uh, the the way he's playing right now, I, I see no reason why he should go into that game with fear. You know, he's got to he's got to have the mindset that hey, I'm I'm proving that I've got a role and I can be legitimate, and this is a big deal going forward. Now, again, I I was skeptical going into this game. I probably shouldn't assume based off the fact that he strung one more good game together. Hey, problem solved. Marcus Bingham has arrived, (laughs) Uh Uh, but it's encouraging. Mm -hmm. It it has to be, you know, and you you can, I think you can look at it fairly and say, Hey, Marcus Bingham, who's a guy that, you know, maybe three weeks ago, I kind of felt was perhaps playing out the string on his MSU career. You know, he it seemed like he had sort of lost his role and um
0: his confidence well, just seemed like it was. really Yeah, too. his
2: body language is very visible with him, more so than maybe any other guy on the team. You see it when he's when he's down. Um It just didn't seem like it was going to come together. And, you know, again, we don't want to do cartwheels over this, but he's playing good basketball right now within the role that he has to do it in. Mm. he's not trying to do too much he's not out there pumping up threes he's he's not he's not even really going crazy on post-ups which I know people like to see that uh, from him I think he's got to be judicious about that Mm. (laughs) Um, because I don't think he's strong enough yet to do that consistently well against everybody but what you are seeing is that defensive presence you know Dakic again I, I mean I'm I'm as much a critic of Dakic as anybody. I think he's been mostly a clown uh, since he left the Big Ten Network when he was actually pretty good very early in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, boy, he got a lot right tonight, I thought. And one of the things he got right was that possession you mentioned, Marcus had a shot block. Um, that was a great illustration of maybe where the improvement is happening for him because, as Dakic pointed out, Marcus didn't get lost. Mm. He kept his eyes where they should be and kind of was playing, doing what you want a shot blocker or a rim protector to do. He was kind of playing goalie. Now he could do that in this game because the guys he was guarding for Penn State are not perimeter threats. Harar, you know, you saw as a pretty good player, but he's not going to pop a three on you. Mm. Um, so he could kind of do that, but it was important that he did that. He didn't get lost in the pick and roll. He kind of kept his eyes where they needed to be kept as awareness, and then when the guard—I forget which guard it was—came in the paint, Marcus was there to just erase it. Um, really good stuff, and and yeah, that's another thing to be encouraged by. I think basically most of the encouragement you take away from this game is with the big guys. Mm. I think you know now. It's also fair to say. You just let John Harar, who's a a nine-point-a-game scorer, score 17 against you. Okay. They're not perfect. (laughs) They're not going – there is no Xavier Tillman on this team who is just going to really, really work opposing fives. They just don't have that. So you have to – knowing what you've got, what can you get out of this group? You get some defensive – at least some defensive resistance – you need to get some scoring and you need to get rebounding. And they got most of that stuff at a decent level in this game. So that's progress because they haven't always had that this year.
0: Mm. Uh, and what do you uh, think of Joey Hauser's um, game? He hit. Uh, I loved his first half. Hit a three. I loved his first half. Got a couple good drives. Um, yeah. yeah. No, he was not he was, too was, much true like post backing somebody down. A no, but he driving. got himself but he got himself around the
2: rim. Yeah. He got himself around the rim, which was which was the key. And I mean and we said that we we stopped with referring to it as they gotta post up. You say one way or another, against this team especially, who does not have much rim protection, they've been awful against two point shooters this year, Michigan State has to get the ball to the rim. I thought the first half was fantastic in that area, and Joey was part of that. So was Malik, so was Aaron Henry. All those guys were. As I mentioned earlier, I thought in the second half, they drifted back to some bad habits.
1: Yeah.
2: And I didn't like it as much. And I think that had a lot to do um, with Penn State being able to turn what had been pretty consistently uh, an 8-10 to 10 point game into a game where they took a 4-point lead, I think, twice. Um, that was part of the reason why. So for me... Joey's first half was great. It was exactly what you want to see out of him. Second half, he only scored two points, those two free throws late. Um but uh you know, considering where he's been lately, I'm gonna give it a solid B. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good game from him. It was the kind of effort, you know, was again, especially in the first half, that Michigan State really needed. And um they don't win the game without him playing that well, that's for sure. Um so, you know, you'll take it, and it's it represents progress, I think. And and hopefully he goes into the Iowa game, and we see more and more of the Joey Hauser that we saw in November and December where he was a double-double machine and, and a guy who any given night, you know, let's, let's not forget, this is a guy, what he scored 25-27 against Wisconsin? Yeah. I mean, he's got that in him. Let's, you know, I know it's become – uh, in vogue for people to talk about a uh, Michigan state has no talent on this team. It's bullshit. I'm not saying this is the most talented team time Izzo's ever had, but if you think there's no talent on it, I, I don't think you understand the meaning of that term, which actually is true for a lot of people. Um, most people use it as shorthand for run and jump. They don't understand that talent is a broader thing. And Joey Hauser is a very talented basketball player, in my opinion. Um, now, you know, he can be better. I mean, in this game, I'm looking at the stats. He only had two rebounds. So that's a little disappointing. But he had three assists. That was good. Um, and those 11 points, you know, four for eight from the floor. That's, that's more like what we need to see. What needs to happen, I think, is this needs to be a jumping off point. We need to see him get better and better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any, you know, not, Kithier, only eight minutes, two points, two rebounds, uh, an assist, and a steal. Um, I I thought he played well in the minutes he
2: had. He just wasn't in there very much. Um, The one that's kind of shocking to me, and i got to give him credit because I buried him this year, I didn't think Julius Marble played a great game because I thought he really got abused defensively Mm -hmm. by, uh, by Harar when he was on the floor. But somehow he had five rebounds in this game, which is another area I felt was a weakness for him, and it wasn't in this game. Um, so, I'll you know, again, just like we talked about Bainham chipping in as a rebounder, you know, Malik, getting four, five rebounds from Julius Marble, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, uh,
0: you know, uh, Rocket Watts, 16 minutes, four points. A rebound, two assists, only six shots. Um, you know, I, I he's not nearly where Michigan State really needs him to
2: be. But at the same time, I did think this was a little better. You know, da- again, I'm going to go back to Dakich. He had it right. <laughs> Down the stretch in those last three minutes, Josh Lineford and Rocket Watts, did a hell of a job defensively on the perimeter. Now I thought earlier in the game, Rocket there was one moment I vividly remember where he just didn't get over a screen and Myron Jones got a three, which kind of got Jones going a little bit. And it was just not it was lazy. <laughs> he just it was lazy and or a failure to recognize quick enough. But one way or the other Rocket was responsible for that three. I didn't like that, but late in the game when he came back and MSU decided, I think rightly that, you know, Foster was struggling defensively
1: Mm -hmm.
2: a little bit. And, um, they had to, uh, they had to make that change for defensive purposes. And I thought from the point Rocket was reinserted in the game, he really did the job. So I'll give him credit. I didn't think he was great, but, um, he was better. He was better, and, and hopefully that's a step in the right direction for him because they need him to be better.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, not not much out of Foster. Zero points, a rebound, and three assists, but he did take three charges.
2: Yeah, he did. And I I really, again, there was that stretch late in the game, and that seems to happen to him, I, I've, I've noticed lately. Um, I don't know if it's uh, that he gets tired because he's playing a lot of minutes. What did he play? He played 25, 25 tonight. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's that or, or what, but I noticed that lately at least he's actually able to hang in there earlier in games and I thought he did tonight. And Penn State's got guards. I mean, that's a guard oriented team. They've got some guys, and you saw it tonight. They've got some guys who can really challenge you physically because they have a mix of some guys with exceptional quickness, some strength. They've got some shooters. I mean, they got a lot of different guys who can, who can hurt you in different ways. And, and yet, I thought Foster really, again, you mentioned the three charges. I thought he held up defensively until that stretch late. And then they, they made the right move by going to Watts. But overall, I think that it's pretty clear to me at this point that the offense, at least for the moment, moves better when he's, on the, when he's in the game at the point. And it's not that he's this great individual creator, but it just seems to flow better. You know? Yeah. Um I, I think that's indisputable at this stage. Um the question then becomes, how long can you go with him based on what happens defensively? And as I as I said, for the last few games, I've felt like they haven't been punished until maybe late. You know, but the the nice thing is they do have a potential response. If that's happening, they can come back with rocket. The problem is you're, you're might be maybe not going to get as much efficiency on the offensive end. So it sort of depends on where you are with the game. You know, Michigan, but we know Tom Izzo always is going to default to defense. So I would think it's a safe bet that probably down the stretch, we're going to see Michigan State go with defensive lineups, which means at winning time, you're not necessarily going to see as much Foster Lawyer, no matter how many minutes he's playing overall in the game. But I I thought he was okay, um, other than the fact that, as you say, he didn't score. He was 0-2 from the floor, didn't attempt a three. I thought Penn State actually defended him pretty well. You know, they know that he's a capable shooter, mm. and they didn't give him any looks. Um, but, you know, three assists, one turnover. I, I, the other thing that's worth talking about, and we'll revisit this in a macro sense when we get into the Keys, that early turnover where um, Wheeler stripped him and, and took it for a pick six, I was worried. I'm not <laughs> gonna lie. I, I'll tell you, and this is another point and I'm, I'm kind of curious about. I really expected Penn State to throw more ball pressure at MSU, either just getting up in the grill – of guys like they did on that possession early Mm -hmm. or the trapping stuff that they run. They really didn't test MSU at all, you know, for, for a defense that's whole thing seems to be predicated on turnover creation. They didn't really test MSU. And so MSU's turnover numbers were manageable. I mean, yeah, that's the first key. they They had 11. They only had 11. And really the only really bad one was the one I mentioned that came very early. And Foster settled down after that, but then again, in fairness, I don't know that Penn State tested him the way I thought they would.
0: Yeah. I, so, well, there's, there's that one really oddball play that Henry, I guess it was an alley oop to Bingham or something, but it was yeah, like 20 was, feet over his head or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like, what in the world was that?
2: You just, uh, you know, it's the enigma of Aaron Henry in that. No matter how well he plays, and he's been playing very well overall lately, um, he's going to have a couple moments like that. And, and you know, if you're winning, you can excuse it. Let's remember, pretty much up until his senior year, that was sort of the Denzel Valentine uh, yeah. program. Denzel would make spectacular plays and then – He would just bust one out that, you know, your jaw just dropped by how bad it was, how bad the decision was. And then he finally matured out of that by the time he was a senior. He just made incredibly good decisions for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Aaron can get better there. And if he were to be a four year player, I would really expect that to take a jump forward next year. I'm pretty sure we're not going to see that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a hard one to understand what he was thinking. There, uh, Manute bowl wasn't coming down with that
0: pass. <laughs> uh, so the second key was guard the arc. Um, yeah, and, I mean, Penn State had some looks in the first half, and they had some horrible shots. I, I, mean, I really, really didn't bad think they miss. did.
2: I really didn't think they did. I think in the second half they got some looks, and that's why they hit some. I thought in the first half Michigan State did a hell of a job defensively. They, they got ten attempts which is not a crazy amount. They ended up with uh, 23 for the game. So 10 attempts in the first half, they made one, and I thought Michigan State contested the vast, vast majority of them. Mm -hmm. And, look, we said it. If you limit what Penn State can do from three, they're going to have a hard time beating you. Well, they came close to proving me wrong, but it was just enough. Mm -hmm. Just good enough. You know, and obviously, I mean I can I could say this in my own defense. If Penn State had a normal three point shooting game for them, they win this one pretty easily. You know, yeah. the fact is Michigan State did enough limiting them to stay in this game and eventually pull it out. So I, I think Michigan State the first half I thought was a master class. I thought the second in, in perimeter defense. I thought the second half was a struggle because they were late, or a couple of them that they hit. I mentioned the one that Myron Jones hit. There was a, the first one of the game, I think, that Lundy hit. They were kind of late on. They The ones that Penn State made were not difficult shots. They were shots where Michigan State did not defend well. They gave them looks. Um, and then I also think, uh, along with that, Michigan State struggled much more in the second half to contain Penn State's guards going to the rim. Mm-hmm. You saw a lot more fouls. Well, there were a lot of fouls in the first half, too, but you saw a lot of fouls, difficulty avoiding defending and fouling, you know, um, and, uh, and Penn State started to get more activity at the rim. You know, again, Myron Jones had a couple of really nice drives, and he hit, they weren't easy shots, but that's a guy who's a really good player. You can't let him get a shot up. You gotta, you gotta cut that off with the pass and not let him get around the rim, not let him get in the lane. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job. And again, I'm going to put some of that down to if, if I, if my memory is correct, when he had that run and he got going, I don't think Josh Langford was on the floor, and and he really exploited that. Um, I think when Josh was out there, Josh did a pretty damn good job guarding.
0: Yeah, they they finished with just. 22% from three and yeah. we mentioned in the preview it was what? 35 close to 35%. Right. I'm 35%. Idea.
2: And it's just a big part of their offense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Now, uh, you know, some of it, they obviously saw that they, they felt correctly that Harar was going to be able to do some things on the blocks more than they do against most opponents. And they went to it. So that probably helped a little bit, but they still got 23 attempts up from three. So it wasn't like they changed their whole offense. Um, and to to hold them uh to twenty two percent. And I think a lot of those misses were really were Michigan State guarding well, contesting well, locating and closing on shooters well. I, I think, you know, again, that's a positive. This is this is something when you're doing it with the frequency Michigan State is. And there's another thing I did on Spartan Mag the other day. I went back to that first Rutgers game and every team they've played has either been held to an average or in most cases less than average number of three-point attempts and the success rates are awful. The best anybody shot over the last now seven games against them was Ohio State at 33%. Wow. So – This is something, maybe it took a little while, but at least in part, the feeling that we had that this could be a very, very good perimeter defense team maybe is actually coming to fruition. Now, I won't say they're completely that because I still think they have trouble at times as they did at times in the second half today dealing with penetration. You know, there are other elements to perimeter defense besides just limiting three-point success. But it's, it's becoming something that I think they can hang their hats on. I really do. And I think this next game coming up against Iowa, it has to be, once again, as it was in the first meeting, a big part of the game plan. You have to be able to limit what they do from three. got to be able to limit attempts, and you got to be able to limit the makes by making any attempts tough ones. And for a long enough period of time now, they've been able to do that, that I think we can say this has become something they're effective in. There mm-hmm. aren't a lot of things in a team sense we can point to and say, hey, this, this is kind of a strength. They're, they're doing this well. I think that area of the game is something they are doing well, and it is them. It's not just luck.
0: Yeah. Uh, the third key, interior scoring. I, fantastic in the first half.
2: Not as good in the second, but they got enough. Mm. You know, Malik, Malik Hall, Aaron Henry gave them, gave them enough in the second half, but I, I would have liked to have seen a more consistency in that area. But hey, it's a start. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain about it because we saw more post touches in this game than I think we have over the last five combined. Yeah. I, I think probably right about that. Um, and by the way, even though you can say, well, that's attacking a particular weakness of Penn State, and it is, it's also something that I really hope Michigan State's coaching staff and the players look at and say, this is a way we need to play. Mm-hmm. This is something we can do that's going to, to set us up for more offensive consistency. Because, let's face it, Michigan State ended up 4 for 15, 27% from 3. They only got 10 points, uh, from the free throw line. So, that means they were 19 for 40 from, uh, in two pointers. Which is not brilliant, but it's the fact that it was even 40 attempts and, and 19 makes and a lot of those were not two point jumpers, they were activity around the rim. That's a big deal and a big, big, big step in the right direction, Mm. in my
0: view. Uh, The fourth key, you'd already mentioned a little bit, handle the traps. We didn't really see a lot of that today. No.
2: And and then the other thing, of course, if Penn State's not going to test you, well, you've got to do your part by not making the stupid mistakes. Mm. By not making unforced errors. And Michigan State did their part. Only 11 turnovers. Penn State, a team that Um, does a nice job in limiting their own mistakes, had nine, but a two-turnover edge is nothing, Mm. relatively speaking. So that's a big plus for MSU. But really, this is another thing you can look at, and the Nebraska game is very much the outlier over this stretch of maybe the last seven games Michigan State has played. Mm -hmm. It was just so horrendous, that, and, and we know that this is something that is an evergreen problem. Michigan State that you start thinking oh here we go again but the fact is this team has done for the most part a reasonable job in not getting crazy the, the difference was you know this Penn State team as opposed to really any other Big Ten opponent they will come at you defensively and I'm, I'm not quite sure why we didn't see as much of that in this one um, it certainly can't be that they felt it would be a negative because Michigan state would really punish them because Michigan state hasn't proven that against anybody. Mm. So I'm not quite sure why we didn't see them be more aggressive, but we didn't. And Michigan state then did their part by not making the dumb errors.
0: Mm. Uh, and then defensive boards. Okay. Um, Penn state had 12 offensive
2: rebounds. Let me do a quick math. So, um, let's see so 12 divided by 38 yeah so penn state had a a 31.5 um offensive rebound rate which is not it, it's not a great effort by michigan state on the defensive boards but it's also not a disaster mm-hmm. and and penn i think penn state was held maybe a little bit under what they've been doing because this again I think they came into this game forty fourth in offensive rebounding percentage something yeah, like that a yeah. really really good number one of the best things they do and um, and Michigan State did enough uh, we mentioned you know you look you look down the up and down the roster Malik Call had five boards all defensive Marcus Mayhem eight of his nine were defensive um, Aaron Henry had three. Um Josh Laneford did too. You know, they they didn't do a great job on the glass. And and again, we also recognize that we're talking about Michigan State and pretty much all of this is substandard by programs by by the the levels that the program has set as acceptable performance, right? Mm. We accept that. But this team is what it is. So I think you have to look at games where they more or less play it to a draw. And the other team is at least a respectable rebounding group as Penn State is. And you have to say, well, that's at least, at least it's not a, a, a minus. It's not a negative.
0: Okay. Well, um, we got two wins in a row here. It's a little, I, I don't want to say discouraging, but kind of discouraging that now I have to play Iowa again. <laughs> but.
2: Well, but, but here's the thing, man, uh, as much as, Nobody wants to think about this. This was probably the easiest game left on the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> so if it, if it isn't Iowa coming to town, it's somebody else that's really good. You know? Um, they got a lot. I mean, you got Iowa. Then you got road games against IU and Purdue. You got Ohio State coming into East Lansing. I can't remember where the Michigan game is that comes up then. But, you know, there's this string where – if you look at all those games, are any of those easy or, <laughs> no. or tougher or, or easier than Iowa would be? I don't know that they are. I mean, let's be honest. Michigan State played Iowa pretty damn competitively, and Iowa's been on a bad run.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Iowa's kind of it's it's kind of going the way I thought it would. You know, good team, going to win a lot of games, but not really in the mix ultimately. Because their weaknesses are pretty
0: profound. And
2: I'm not sure there's anything they can do to really fix them.
0: And their defense uh, has even really fallen further than we Well, have, that's what I'm it's saying. It's in the one – It was I think it was 117 last I look.
2: Yeah, that's so it's, – it's even worse than it was last year, you know. You, you're just not going to get it done. And, and so, again, let's think back to that game in Iowa City. Michigan State's offense was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Because they were playing a really bad defensive team. Now it hasn't looked as good against Nebraska, which they have no excuse for. And and this game, where you know Penn State is a credible defensive team. I'm not going to say they're a good one, but they're credible. They were in the uh, they were in the top sixty nationally, so not terrible. But then again, you know Michigan State's. uh, You look at it; they shot forty two percent from the floor. Not great, but not a disaster. It's decent. The three-point percentage was not good. They only got 15 free throws and only made 10 of them, so that's not up to standard. But limiting the turnovers to 11, um, you know, okay, respectable. Mm. Not great, not good, but respectable with a chance, I think, to be much, much better than respectable coming up against Iowa. And, look, that's what Iowa's going to give you. You know Iowa – Remember, we felt pretty good about the way Michigan State played in that game, and Iowa still shot 50% from the floor. Yeah, So you know that Iowa is going to do some things offensively. There's just no way you're going to stop them completely. That means you've got to be pretty good on offense to get a win. And I think Iowa's defense gives Michigan State that chance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a game that, and we kind of alluded to this, that Foster – has been able to hang in games until late for the most part. But Iowa really is a game where it gives you an opportunity to play him a lot because Bohannon – it's not to say that Bohannon won't score against him, but it's to say that Bohannon is not a guy who makes lawyer pay for his deficiencies that he can't do anything about. Yeah, yeah. You know, his quickness, his size. Bohannon doesn't do that. You know, um, maybe the other kid, Toussaint, who had a pretty good game in the first one, he does a little bit of that. But um, then again, he played out of his mind. I don't expect him to play that well in this game. That, that was his performance in Iowa City was unexpected, to say the least, because mm-hmm. he has not been having a good year offensively. But in any event, there's an opportunity here that you can probably play Foster more, which should mean the offense flows better and you're playing a terrible defensive team in general anyway. Um the chances are going to be there to get the offense to continue moving forward.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It will be it'll be really good and again, I was another team, man, pound the ball at them in the blocks. They can't guard anybody. You know, even Garza, their big guy is a terrible defender. So the opportunities are going to be there on in the post. And around the rim, if Michigan State wants to take
0: advantage. Okay. Well, any final thoughts uh, on this one, Ron? Good to get a All win.
2: Upward, right? <laughs> a good win. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Iowa plays Rutgers tomorrow, um, so we'll probably get the uh, probably wait to get the preview for Iowa after that game. Yep. Um, so until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule.